Hello guys, welcome back to Never Ignore the Football Podcast. Uh, this week on the podcast, we'll be looking at Marcus Rashford's uh, impressive NBE title and all the good work he's done. We take a look over the Premier League fixtures from the weekend with a focus on Man United versus Arsenal. Uh, I know we've said we're not a Man United podcast anymore, but there just really wasn't anything else interesting going on in the league this week. Uh, and then also we'll have a little discussion about a current hot topic within the Premier League. Um, the issue of diving uh, will be an interesting conversation that we'll have later on in the episode. Uh, I'm joined again, as usual, by my co-host, Imti. Imti, how are you doing? Yeah, uh, not bad. Um, could be better because United can't seem to win at home at all. But you know, what can you do? <laughs> United this year, um, I think just null and void the Premier League and Champions League. That's, that's all we're here for. That's all uh, Oli's clear agenda is to win the Champions League. Champions yeah, League I've specialist. always said that Champions League is the only competition worth worth caring about. Uh, yeah. Other than that year that Liverpool won it. The Premier League is um, a series of glorified friendlies, isn't it? Exactly. You know, it's just a, it's a joke, especially considering the country's going to be in lockdown soon and the Premier League is still going on. I mean, it's you know, a fake competition, really. Yeah, I agree. I think regional travel shouldn't be allowed, but European travel should definitely European be allowed. European travel is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so let's kick things off. Uh, we want to actually start off on a, a slightly different note. We want to give some praise to um, you know a Manchester United player, but more importantly, um, a, a, a Premier League football player who's doing so well and using the position that he has uh, in this world for to, to bring so much good. It's uh, Sir Marcus Rashford. I don't know if he's officially a Sir yet, but I'll just call him uh, Sir Marcus Rashford. Yeah, he should be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Marcus Rashford, MBE, what an amazing month he has. Um, some of his highlights is, uh, you know, over this lockdown period, extending his scheme to ensure that the less for- fortunate children who uh, require um, free school meals are, are, are do not go hungry. Um, he's challenged the government and oh, in a way he won that challenge because his Twitter feed became a kind of almost like a just eat of places that were offering help to those less fortunate. So um, an absolute amazing job there. He's had retweets left, right and centre. So a hell of a lot of coverage over the places that were giving away food for free. Um, He's also had a celebrated birthday this month. He's also given Anthony Martial a goal in the Champions League. What a man, you know, to just say, I'm not going to... a hat-trick as well. He scored scored the quickest hat-trick in the Champions League as a substitute. I just think, I just thought... uh, We'd start off on a very positive note and praise uh, Rashford to use his position that he has for such good. What do you think about what he's done, Imti? Yeah, I mean, um, you rarely see f- well, any celebrities use their their pla- their platform for this kind of uh, endeavour, um, especially because uh, Rashford's come through this kind of system himself, where he's had the free school meals, that kind of stuff. Um, so to remember where he where he started and stuff and. Now try and give well give back as much as he has. Um, yeah, it's pretty good, um, especially when in this in this kind of pandemic that's going on at the moment, um, and the government refusing to act. He's taking things into his own hands. Um, and yeah, can't say can't say can't say enough about highly enough about him. Really, I guess just uh, well done. <laughs> I think I think it says it all because it, you very rarely get a football player who can almost get. Uh, United, you almost get a backing from across the whole country, for regardless of what team you support. Probably unless you yep. score a hat trick in the World Cup final for England, but um, <laughs> even even then, I'm sure there'd be people that uh, for a week that find something to mind about. Yeah, yeah and um, so 
to 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 be able to do that to, to almost unite a nation and and everyone gets behind him and you know everyone's so proud of him for us as Manchester United fans yourself and I are I'm, I'm extremely proud if if I had a young child myself I would point at Rashford and I'd say this is a hell of a role model to have in life um, for all he's achieved not just you know professionally as a sportsman but for what he's achieved at such a young age as well uh, off the pitch is is remarkable all, all credit to him. Yeah, I mean, we we've spoken us, ourselves between ourselves before about um, now that we're so we're basically in our well, I guess mid to late twenties now. Um, that we sometimes find it weird getting uh, players that are younger than us on on our back of our shirts, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think yeah, this has got me thinking that yeah, I think I might have to get a Rashford shirt just because of the the stuff he's done. You know, you'd be proud to uh, to walk around wearing that. Yeah, completely agree with you. For me, it's a choice between Rashford and Igalo. For the time, Igalo wished me a happy <laughs> birthday, but it wasn't my birthday, but I would still appreciate the sentiment. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I completely agree with what you said. Um, so speaking of uh, Marcus Rashford and how great he's doing, uh, let's switch to the recent uh, game on the weekend, uh, Premier League, Manchester United versus Arsenal, in, in yeah. which his performance wasn't as impressive as it has been off the pitch over the last month. Uh, it would, to be honest, it's probably a harsh way for me to introduce the game because we didn't really have much to do. <laughs> but that was my segue. Um, Manchester United versus Arsenal. First things first, formations, because it's the first thing I saw before the game. Um, obviously, Arteta goes with his traditional five at the back now, um, or three at the back, whatever you want to call it, with wing backs. Um, was it that? Was it? Was it that few? When I looked at the formation, I thought it looked, it looked more like eight, eight at the back. If you include Leno, <laughs> yeah, and then he's obviously yeah. got the two CMs as well, who are genuinely yeah. more defensively inclined. Um, what do you think of this tactic then? Because because I know we kind of um, we, we mentioned it one on a previous pod, but. It seems yeah. like that now is the go-to strategy for Arsenal, isn't it? And it is working, um, essentially. I mean, yeah, when, when you've got players like Aubameyang up front, I guess if you if you keep yourself in the game, he, he's going to get a chance at some point. Um, I, did, I, I, I didn't see the game, which was probably lucky from my from my side. It sounds like I've missed... <laughs> I chose a good game to miss. Um, but I, I understand he missed a reasonably good chance before he had the penalty. But, you know, using an on-form Aubameyang, you'd probably expect him to put those kind of ones away. Um, and then they got the penalty, which was their lucky break. Bit of moment of stupidity from Pogba. Um, but yeah, so then when you've got so many defensive-minded players on the other side, then yeah, if you can create craft yourself one good chance, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a way to play. But my my thoughts would be, I guess, if um, perception is everything, right? If if that was Mourinho playing that kind of football, um, he'd probably be getting slated everywhere. Um, Including including Arsenal fans, if if he, if Mourinho was their manager and he was playing like that, you know, they, I don't think they'd be too happy. But for some reason, Arteta gets a free pass and he can do do whatever he wants. I guess I don't it, know. What do you think? It does make me wonder because he obviously, you know, he's got the job after being the understudy to Pep Guardiola, and it makes me think, what did he learn from Pep? Because he didn't <laughs> play that sort of football. Um, so that's that's just an interesting thought, and obviously. I'd love to see Arsenal play that football because why not? You know, yeah. it was good to see any team play a very good, high-quality football. Um, at the time, I remember Nuno was being linked with the job, the Wolves manager. And I remember I was yep. to a couple of my friends who asked, you don't want Nuno, you don't want Nuno. Nuno is a five-at-the-back manager and it worked yep. well for Wolves because of the quality of the players there. They're more defensively minded and they, you know got quality strikers up front in him and his. But I said, I don't think that would suit Arsenal. But now I think I'm eating my words because... 
can't really, they, you know, what's the difference really? Um, they, they play now. They play a very similar style of football, I think. Uh, Arteta and um, yeah, you know, I think it's only it's only seeing them just because of the sheer number of defensive players they put on the pitch. Um, when you look at the starting lineups, obviously that Leno in goal, you are you give them that they have to play a goalkeeper, but then they played. <laughs> was it um, Gabriel uh, holding? And who was the third centre back? I think the third centre back was Bellerin. Or Tierney. He played Tierney, sorry, and he played Bellerin at wing back. Yeah, Bellerin at wing back. And then across the Stack middle, there's Partey, who's defensive minded. El Neni, defensive minded. Um, was Saka, Saka playing? Yeah, Saka, Saka played left wing back for them. Yeah, so then, uh, so that's essentially that's, that's that eight at the back I was joking about. Um, and then they either left there the three up front, William, Lacazette and Aubameyang just to just do whatever, I guess. Um, so the first kind of 15, 20 minutes of the game, uh, Arsenal actually impressively pressed from the front, um, very much pinned in the United back line. Um, Lindelof, Maguire, Wan-Bissaka, sure, they really had no kind of route out. Um, and, yeah. and they did that very well. I did say at the time to a friend who I was speaking to, I said, um, they won't be able to keep it up past the 35th because <laughs> you very rarely see a professional team be able to keep up a press that long. Um, yeah. and, and and that was the case because United then did go on the front foot, didn't capitalise. We had a really good chance with Rash between Rashford and Greenwood. Pretty much to run this our only really good chance of the game. Um, and that that was it. But for, for all of Arsenal's dominance, and they did dominate the majority of that first half, um, I was actually surprised that they didn't come out with a goal because you got a striker like Aubameyang and, and you know, Williams quite seasoned within the league. Lacazette, I don't know, he seems to be quite hit and miss from what I hear from Arsenal fans, um, particularly after the last game against Leicester where apparently he missed a sitter. Um, I'm actually surprised that they never scored uh, at all in that half. And it was quite, if you think about it, this was a very good game from Arsenal, right? And for Arsenal fans, this was a big win for them. Um, the same way it would have been if it was the other way around. But to have only won one nil from a penalty mistake, to, despite effectively dominating the game, um, it is, I don't know, it was, it was very strange to me still. And I still think Arsenal got a long way to come in beating top six teams. Um, I think it was their first win against a top six team away since 2015, uh, since City. Yeah. So, so I think is I don't know. I'm not too sure if this was a one-off for Arsenal or this is... Arsenal doing well or United just being astonishingly bad um, in the past. Well, you, you, yeah, well, you, you look at you look at United's home form um, this season. Um, so what is it? take the Champions League out of it. It's Palace defeat. Um, Arsenal now defeat. Uh, I'm sure we lost another game as well. Right? It's three one defeat. Spurs, Spurs, Spurs defeat. Yeah. <laughs> How can I forget that Spurs defeat? Brighton post Liverpool um, win. And then Chelsea draw. So that's four home games. Um, probably, what, two goals scored? Yeah. Two goals scored in those four home games. God knows how many conceded. <laughs> that's what, not 10 goals conceded in those four? Is it, um, and one point gained. I mean, that's, that is appalling home form. It is. It really um, is. So what is, is the case here? Because look, we obviously all know post-Fergie, Old Trafford has not been the fortress that it once was. Yeah. But right now, I think the whole, that, that goes out the window with no fans. The, the stadium itself, I don't think, is intimidating enough to a professional player um, without the fans in it. So, just what is it? Is it that teams now come to United and they say it, just, it doesn't really matter that we're playing? A lot well, I think, traffic. especially under especially under Oli, there's, there's there's always been the kind of impression that if you sit back and just, um, well, in fact, to be honest, it's probably yeah since post Fergie, right? Um, if you sit back, sometimes United lack ideas. Um, when Bruno came in, that started to stop. Yeah. Um, you know, we were able to break down the stubborn teams. Um, and especially if, uh, you know, in the post-lockdown period when 
team scored against us if they scored first. Um, it, was, it kind of got back to that old thing of, you know, the worst thing you could do against United is score first because then <laughs> that made them even more fired up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. At the moment, just something's not right at home, which is really strange because away from home is still pretty pretty good. Five wins out of five. And I think the club record amount of wins away <laughs> in a row, um, which I think is what, 13 games now in, uh, away from home win, wins in a row, which is pretty good. I think when um, teams come to Old Trafford, like you said, they set up shop um, because it's effective tactic. Uh, it's a yeah. legitimate tactic. Um, and they set up shop and we are very, I think, infamously now, when those teams set up shop, we just can't break them down. They, yep. There's so much passing outside the box in a square and, you know, to the wings. But you very rarely will get a nailed on ball put into the box. You very rarely will get a kind of quick first time play within the box. Yep. Um, it is something that I think as a team needs to be addressed because you'll you'll end you'll end up having Lindelof and Maguire playing almost in the final third for the opposition, but we're still not a threat. Um, yeah. That's how high up the team will be, and I don't know. It's like uh, it, it's been years since I've seen us break down a press, a press like that. Not a press, sorry, a, a kind of compact. You'll have about nine men. I think. Men behind I think you mentioned you mentioned width. I think that's one of the things that um, you know when you when you're trying to play against a team that's quite stubborn and set up defensively. You want to stretch the pitch. You want to make the pitch as big as possible, right? Um, and I, I like our fullbacks. They're pretty good defensively. Um, and, you know, they're, they're starting to show some progress going forward. Yeah. But they can't they can't do it all on their own. And then, you know, you look at the formation we played at the weekend. Basically, what, six players in the middle of the pitch? So if you count Fred, McTominay, Pogba, Bruno, those are your four sort of central midfielders. Rashford and Greenwood playing as strikers, you know that's all down the middle of the pitch. Yeah. So if you pack, if you pack the middle of the pitch and you've got no options out on the on the wing, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised that we can't break teams down, um, because that, you know you're not you're not stretching them. You're just everything's going to try and go through the middle, the most probably the most crowded area of the pitch. You know, if if you're playing against a team that's playing three centre backs, two central midfielders, etc. <laughs> that middle of the pitch is just you know there's only so much space that you can find i think so um, i know i think i said at the during the summer before the season started that in my uh, agenda against edward would slash um yeah. dis displeasure of the lack of signing of central i said that uh, i'm not going to turn on ollie this season because ed did this blah 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 <laughs> okay ed you win so essentially <laughs> what i think here and I don't like criticizing Oli. I don't like criticizing any football manager. Um, I think just the formation he got it wrong playing a diamond against a team that's putting such a uh, you know stress so much stress on the defensive side of their tactics. Yep. I think we got it wrong. Look against Leipzig, he got it right. He got it right for a reason because Leipzig are a very attacking team, high press team, and obviously I think Oli's tactic was let's ride out the first 30, 35, and forty minutes. They'll tire out, and then from that point we can we can capitalize, and it worked really well. Again, worked really well because they pressed very high. The whole team pressed very high. Arsenal pressed in a different way. Arsenal was the front line pressed, and the back line stayed very much compact at the back, yeah. um, and we just couldn't break them down. I think that's, uh, and I think as a football manager, you have to kind of adapt to the opponents you're playing. Uh, the way RB play and the way Arsenal play are couldn't contrast in two different ways much more. Like literally, the, one's a very attacking team and one is a very defensive team. Um, and I think to have tried to deploy the same tactics against both was a bit naive. Um, yep. You did switch it up to the 4-2-3-1 because you, obviously you do need some dominance in that midfield if you're playing against so many 
uh, defensive-minded players. And and we did have a much better second half. It was, for a neutral, very boring second half. There wasn't yeah. much excitement whatsoever, but in the sense that we then kind of ca- countered their press that they had uh, emphasised so highly in the first half. Um Maybe what do you think was it a, was it a personnel thing? I heard some suggestions that Van der Beek should be in, but then based on what I saw against RB, a good performance. But was it around the sixty sixty fifth minute? He got taken off, and you could see he was he was tired. He was exhausted. Yeah. You could see him breathing heavy. And when a professional player is doing that, that means they've got nothing left in the tank. They need to come off. Um, so maybe but I do I do wonder with him with that is maybe because he's not being given much of a chance at the moment. He feels like he has to go 150% every time, every time he's on the pitch. So maybe that's why he's uh, shattered. But um, yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with him so far whenever he's played. Um, and definitely the way Pogba's playing at the moment, I don't think he should be starting personally, um, which that that's, hurts me to say, because I really want Pogba to do well. But I mean, at this point, He's giving away. He's he's giving away more stupid penalties than he is doing anything, um, you know, positive. Like since he's come back from injury, I think I can remember more penalties he's given away than attacking contributions. It's this um, comes up twenty twenty because we've gone from Pogba doing his, his you know strange run up to try and score pens to just giving away three penalties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it some weird protest about not being the penalty taker anymore? I don't, I don't know what it is. Because um, I can remember the West Ham one where he stuck his hands up to def- defend his face. Spurs won the tackle against um, Davies. This one yesterday, and they were all they were all pretty avoidable as well. Yeah, um, I don't were. know if it's lack of motivation, lack of concentration. What I don't know what it is, but you know, it's a it's a problem because his contract's out next season. Um, so uh, he's not definitely not playing well enough to earn a new contract at the moment. Well, certainly not on his wage. If he's willing to take a wage cut, maybe. <laughs> um, but then you risk losing him for not much if um, what do you think? if you let it go on much longer. But what do you think he'd go for if you if we were to sell him this summer or January even? Yeah. So if he if he doesn't sign a new deal, January maybe fifty million, summer thirty million. I could, maybe I could, if, I if, he, if he's playing that way at the moment I could see what you're saying because let's be honest, if he does move on, I can't see him going to another Premier League team. Uh, no. And 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 I think like if he does possibly go to Juve Madrid, I don't know. Madrid have got a history for kind of giving the top top dollars for for a player. But if he goes to I think Juve, I don't know, maybe Bayern, PSG, one of these teams, I don't think we'd I'd think we'd be very lucky to get more than fifty. Yeah, that's the thing. Usually, when you look at when Madrid signed players, like when they took Beckham from us, he was playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, when they took Ronaldo, he was the Ballon d'Or Ballon d'Or holder. Yeah. When they took Bale from Spurs, he just had his best goal-scoring season. It was what twenty-four goals or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, Hammers. He just he hadn't really shown at club level, but he just had that amazing World Cup. Um, I'm trying to think of else. Even Kaka was pretty good when they signed him. Yeah. Um, they don't really sign players that are obviously Pogba. We know what he can do, and yeah, he's a World Cup winner, etc. But they don't really sign players that often that are going through. A, uh, well, I, I don't know how maybe 18 months of bad form <laughs> it's a good uh, so it's, it'd be a different situation like would they then but then I guess it depends the marketing thing of I was listening to another pod, uh, United podcast another football podcast where you talk of the devils on the athletic yeah and they were saying even though Pogba hasn't been playing as much recently when they went to Paris Pogba was all the headlines I mean obviously it's going to France but um, Pogba was still the headlines and they were shocked when they found out Pogba wasn't 
wasn't starting. You know, they were thinking, is there something wrong with him? Is he injured? They, they didn't understand over there that at <laughs> uh, the moment, you know, he's not in the best of um, best of form. So maybe from a marketing side, Madrid might still see he's worth money. I don't know. I was going to say, from um, a, if a club is run from a commercial perspective, he's so incredibly yeah. attractive because of his kind of following and, and the money he can bring in on kind of adverts and all that other yeah. kind of marketing type deal. So yeah, possibly still very attractive. But then but then equally, yeah, if he, so if he gets to the end of the season and he's only got one season left, Madrid might think as well then, you know, we'll just wait it out, see, see what happens. Because um, they, they could then, you know, foreign clubs can sign... They can make a contract offer six months before the contract ends, right? So they'd only have yeah. to wait to January to actually negotiate with him. I think are we in season um, five of Pogba, right? At United. <laughs> I have no four. idea, but it's, it's been, I think it's at least at least four. It's, it's season four or five or six or something along those lines. And yeah. I, my worry is, would well, if he leaves this January, he leaves a flop essentially, and that is to me devastating because he was one of if like he's one of the technically best footballers we've had in the club in since I think, the two thousand onward period. Like I think a flop would a flop would be slightly harsh, but he certainly didn't. He certainly hasn't lived up to expectations yet. Yeah, which, and, which as you say, in in the fourth fourth or fifth year or whatever it is, is starting to be, be starting to get to the point where, I mean, me and you've probably defended him more than <laughs> more than anyone, but. Um, it's starting to get to the point where he's, he's beyond beyond defendable now. Yeah. I mean, you can't. It's not his fault that he got coronavirus and stuff. But you know, how many seasons are going to be stop start with him? You know, um, the first season, his first season here, it was a pretty positive season. It was, he started, he did pretty well. Yeah, he did. Second season, he fell out with Mourinho. Um, third season was that still under Mourinho? I can't even remember. <laughs> I can't, can't remember now. Maybe the third season was Mourinho slash Oli taking over. Uh, so he had a slow start to the season because he'd fallen out with Mourinho. When Oli took over, he suddenly became what everyone wanted him to be, you know, scoring, assisting. He was doing everything. It was brilliant. Um, but then, obviously, he got injured. Yep, um, he had a well. really long injury. But then he also was talking about leaving in the press, that kind of stuff. Um, come back towards the end of the last season, he, he played fine. Uh, he, he wasn't he wasn't amazing, but he wasn't bad. He, he, he actually made a pretty decent impact for towards the end of the lockdown but then this season again so he picked up the virus at the start of the year which again is not his fault but then i i kind of use that as an excuse for the first few weeks saying oh you know he's maybe he's not fully fit but now now we're what two months into the season when's it going to get started from him and i read i read an article recently saying that sources inside united think his best his best a bit or his best position also as such at the moment is making a cameo appearance off the bench Wow. What on earth? <laughs> how has how has it come to that that they think Paul Pogba's best uh, best position for United is sitting on the bench and then coming on with half an hour to go? That's incredible. I know. Yeah. I don't think that's. Uh, I can't agree with that. Look, I don't know who this horse is on. Hopefully, it's not But I, I don't know. I just can't even comprehend that because of the kind of the, the the quality of the player he is I, I agree with you I think since he's had this coronavirus maybe that's possibly maybe impacted his fitness he did kind of t- attempt to justify the penalty he gave away yeah. saying that maybe he was a bit out of breath and that made him do a stupid mistake but again um, I think he's just I don't know. I've got. I don't know how to. I, I really want to continue to defend the guy, um, but it's just one of those. I think the best thing for him now would be to 
pick up a in in commas knock in training and and just take <laughs> just a couple games on the again. side. Yeah, take a couple games on the mm-hmm. sideline and just get your head back. Um, maybe that gives Van der Beek or someone an opportunity. Um, recall Andreas Pereira from loan. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Please no. <laughs> and and uh, and. And just, I think he probably needs a game or two because I think right now, he, I, this is for me, as far as I can remember, his worst run of games for United. Um, and I think he just probably just needs to take a step back because uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's two types of players. I think those that will just play through it and those that just probably need to get out of the spotlight for a bit and come back when everything's calmed down a bit. And I think that's probably what he needs to do. Um, well, that's the thing with Pogba. I, don't, I mean, it's just, it's, again, this is not really his fault, but I don't think he'll ever be out of the spotlight. Even if he's, you know, even when he was injured, he was still the focus, the focus of most of the media, that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't, I don't, I think the only way he's going to get out of the spotlight is leaving the club. Because um, you see, maybe, I don't know, when he goes away for France, he seems to turn it on all of a sudden. He does. Yeah. Um, definitely does. So maybe it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's just not going to work out for him at United and it's time to. Time to call it a day. I don't know. Um, when you when you look at when you look at we do have other options at the moment. That's the, that was the thing I enjoyed about the Van der Beek signing and stuff is, you know, previously if we were looking at the, if Pogba left, we would have been in a pretty dire situation, right? I mean, you look back to the beginning of last last season, how what our midfield was looking like without Pogba, we think this is going to be grim, right? Um, but now you know Bruno's come in and he's done. Bruno's done what we wanted Pogba to do, basically. Um. And and we have other options now as well. Uh, Van der Beek, even um, a couple of the youngsters that are coming through. Um, I don't think it's as bad of a. I don't think he's as important to us as he once was. I think from I completely agree with you. Uh, if you look at the midfielders we had at the start of last season, there was no Van der Beek, no Fernandez, and like you said, there we're kind of desperate for Pogba to be in that starting eleven. Um, yep. because otherwise the prospects aren't looking fantastic is probably the Lingard or Pereira starting instead of him um, and nobody wants to really see that at the, at the <laughs> um, but I think as you said we, we, we can afford to, for him to take a little break for now I don't want him to I really don't want to sell him there's part of me that just wants him always you know he just I just want him to score goals and to prove people but again unless the guy has a 20 15 or 20 goal season he's never going to shut anyone up or unless we win a a title or or a Champions League even a a, a FA Cup or Europa doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything in the sense that to the rivals um, it it would be disregarded to United I'll I'll take that all day because any silverware for me is any recognised silverware is is something that I'd appreciate at this time but Again, I do appreciate that we have got other players now that can pick up that position. Um, I'm, I'm with I'm with you. I, w- I want him to do well. Um, you know, when he came back to United, um, it was it was a marquee signing. We were in the Europa League at that time. You know, we were thinking you know, for him to come at that time. You know, he's got a point to prove that kind of stuff. Um, but I think yeah, I'm kind of at the point where I'm kind of I'm over it now. Um, I think it's hard. Now you, you we can't have these kind of emotional attachments to these players because <laughs> they just keep letting us down. I think for, <laughs> I think for the sake of his own career and the same kind of uh, things I was saying about De Gea a couple seasons well, a season ago when he was having the yep. was that them two in particular um, disregarding Fernandez or anyone else uh, them two 
if they had moved on to other teams in Europe, uh, such as Juve or Madrid or Barca, PSG, they would have won titles, uh, minimum yeah. titles, and, and possibly Champions Leagues. And I think for players of that quality, they deserve that. They deserve to retire and be able to say, this is my trophy cabinet. Um, and I think the same stands now for Pogba. If he was to move on, he, he's going to guarantee himself titles and uh, at least domestic titles and then possibly... That's the thing. I, th- I, think, I think, yeah, talent-wise, there's no argument there. Um, but De Gea, at least, like, you can say De Gea has given his all, right? And yeah. you can say that he carried the team for a long time. Um, so I think if he left, no one would begrudge him a move to like a Madrid or no. Juve or something. But I think if Pogba left... I don't think he would be as fondly remembered um, just because, yeah, I think I just don't think he's fulfilled what um, maybe we had unrealistic expectations. I don't know. I never really watched him much in Italy because I don't really watch Italian football. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe we had unrealistic expectations. But we've seen on occasion and for France that he is a world-class player. He is. And, and maybe um, possibly, you know, argument there is that for France, he has other world-class players around him. And at United, yeah. it's only really till we've got Bruno in the squad that we could even have someone that's in that bracket. But that's the thing. That was that was the argument. You, you Well, I think at the start, our team was pretty good when he first came in. Then you could argue, yeah, there was a period where we were getting rid of all of our stars and he was the only one left. Yeah. But I think if you look at the team now, the team is good enough for him to, th- to thrive in that team. Yeah, particularly um, with the development of Marshall and Rashford. Um, yeah. I, I mean, he's got, he's got players that are going to make runs for him to play his passes. He's got... Bruno as an outlet. He's got players behind him that will win the ball. Like Fred's, I've seen some stats about Fred's. Like the amount of, he, I think he's won the ball back the most out of anyone since he came to England. Which could you consider how right. bad he was in his first season to then turn that around to be since he came? Like that's that's pretty good. Um, so the players are around Pogba, I think, for him to succeed at the moment. But I don't know what it is. Maybe that injury he had that kept him out for a long time. Maybe that knackered him. I don't know. Maybe that was too much. Um, it is the case it's possible. He, he was saying you. You said he, one of his excuses was maybe he was out of breath. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's maybe he can't keep up anymore. I don't know. But possibly it could um, be that. Maybe you know the intensity there, and also like Bellerin is he's a quite he's a fast nippy player, um, yeah. and and yeah, maybe just he just wasn't sharp enough for that. But overall, look, we sit in fifteenth place in the table. It's not the end <laughs> of the world because still a win could take you like about five, six places up. City are 10th place and a win would take them to second. Um, yep. And they've got a game in hand and probably will achieve that win. Um, but yeah, look, we're 15th. It's going to be a tough season. It's going to be a tough season. It's a weird season. Well, we've got we've got Everton away next. Um, which will be a really which obviously good Obviously, our away, away form is very good. And Everton have lost their last two games. And Richarlison is still suspended, which is handy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, on current form, you probably, I don't know, maybe a draw. Will probably be. So the good thing is, Everton are having a bit of a goalkeeping crisis at the moment. So they dropped Pickford for the first time since they've signed him in the Premier League. Yeah. Um. The the replacement and his name slip slips on my didn't have a particularly great game. The goal. Sanchez is his name, I think. I think he's he's Swedish. I can't, I can't remember his surname. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. But then I thought I think his name is still. Uh, okay. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, and, <laughs> don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> and the, the, from the goals, uh, I saw the highlights and, and the goals that Newcastle scored. One was a pen, and the other, I, I think, yeah, probably a better keeper might have saved it. It wasn't something that was unsavable. Um, so I wonder what Ancelotti will do in t- in that department. Also, defensively, I don't think Everton are in, are very strong. 
So I don't yeah. I can't possibly see us getting a result because I don't think they're the kind of team that will pack the, you know, they will have a very disciplined defensive line. I think yeah. Dinier's back, I think, because his uh, ban was reduced to one game. His was reduced to one game. Yeah. yeah, so they will have Dinier back and, and he does, he, you know, he's effective on the on the left side. Um, but I think it's going to be a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if Calvert-Lewin scores again. He just seems to be scoring <laughs> every time. And I wouldn't mind because he's yeah. in my fantasy team. Same. Um, <laughs> so, so if we're going to lose, at least bag me, bag me some fantasy points now. Yeah. Um, hopefully I could 3-1 win or something. Uh, I don't have any United defenders in, so I don't need the clean sheet. Yeah. Um, um, small correction. So his name is Robin Olsen. So I don't know where I got Sanchez from. Um, <laughs> Close I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a new keeper. There's a new keeper for some team in the Premier League that's called Sanchez. So, but it's not the Everton guy. <laughs> um, and Ancelotti said that Pickford will be, will be back in for interesting the, uh, the United game. So interesting. Um, um, some of the uh, so some of the other results on the weekend. Just a quick recap: Liverpool one two one. Probably main talking point from the Liverpool game and quite a similar theme as well in the Spurs game where Spurs one two one. Is this kind of issue of diving again has become a bit more apparent in the world of um, football, social media, and match of the day, etc. Um, yeah. My view um, at the moment is. First of all, I think diving isn't as penalised as it once was. There was that season where I think, uh, I can't remember, I think it might have been the 2012 season around that period where the referees were really onto the diving. Where I remember Ashley Young, anytime he went to ground, would be getting a yellow card. Um, and, and there was a big agenda against diving. I remember Drogba was getting a lot of accusations. A lot, a bunch of players would get strongly accused of it and, and kind of worked in a way because, it, if anything, prevents... Well, deters the player from continuing to do so I think yeah. as of this season and the last season since VAR's come in I don't know if VAR almost encourages the dive because it, cause the strikers now or the the player now knows that there's going to be a review and if you can force some contact on the review in slow-mo that you know they can't judge the, the pressure or the, the 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 strength of the contact if there's contact there you're you're given a compelling case to win yourself a penalty or a red card or whatever it is you're trying to achieve by doing so um there's been quite a lot of uh quite quite two players in the spotlight at the moment around this whole agenda of diving and that's um, Mo Salah and Harry Kane um yeah I think first of all did you see um both of the incidents separate incidents uh, so I saw both yeah um I think it's a uh, it's a tough one. I mean, di- speaking about diving in general, um, even when they give dives now, they don't book them for some reason, which is really annoying. Oh yeah, and they because um, they because they need the yeah. punishment. So that suggests that I mean that encourages people to dive almost because if they if they know they're not going to get booked, then they think all right, would well, you know might as well give it a go. Um, on the two recent ones, um, Salah I think is he's notorious for doing it now, and it doesn't get mentioned as much as. Um, as it should, but sooner, even Sunes, who you know, he he started his sentence by saying, I, "And I am a Liverpool supporter." He said, "You know, Salah's Salah does this a lot." Um, I think there was contact, but for me, you know, contact doesn't always mean that it's um, that it's a penalty or that it's a foul. You know, football is a contact sport. Um, so when you look at, you can, I mean, some people will argue, "Yep, there was contact," but then. The way he went down, there's no way the contact made him go down like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, he got tapped on his foot and he d- he jumped down like he'd been shot. He got tapped um, and his knees were almost in his chest. And personally, if I, I play a lot of amateur football and if a player did that to me as a centre-back, honestly, 
I wouldn't even be able to describe probably what would come out of my mouth. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy, right? Um, and not even from myself, probably his own teammates would probably do the yeah. same. And I, it's a bit of a shame professional football because uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to, actually, the guy was talking about he has a lot of family in America and when they come over, he, they tend to put the Premier League on. And he said that sometimes when the players drop like that, the, the, the people who aren't used to watching the professional football, they say, why, why do the footballers do that? Why, why, why is it when they get touched, they literally like throw themselves into the crown? And it's a shame because part of me thinks they do it because, first of all, obviously they're trying to win a pen, free kick, red card, whatever it is. Second of all, I think the referees should be of high enough standard that they should be able to judge even if a player stays on his feet if it's a foul or not. And, yeah. and until we ever get to that stage, players will not stop doing it, um, which is a big shame because I think it's just not, it's not a skill that people should try to learn as part of the game, you know, it's it's not anything admirable. And, it, well, and that's the thing; it is it is it is something they learn, though, right? Because you mentioned yeah. amateur football that that doesn't happen in no like in uh, amateur football. It seems to only happen at the elite level of the sport. Even lower leagues, you probably say that it probably doesn't happen. No, it's, so it's, it's the elite it's, level. Yeah, um, and, and, and then I, I think the only thing I'd say in, in defense of Solar, I guess, is yeah, when you it, one thing that's a bit annoying is that when you look at how people reacted to Kane's thing, like the commentators uh, talking about Kane said it was a clever piece of play from clever, uh, clever piece of play from Kane. Um, and you do wonder that because he's English that he's getting a better, better lick of things from the commentators. But I think his was a lot worse, if you ask me. Um, he put himself, he put Lalana in a situation where there was going to be contact no matter what. Um, so I mean yeah you could argue with both yeah there was contact but with Keynes he went looking for that contact and he <laughs> and he got it so um, so what was interesting as, as as I was prepping for to record this episode I typed in Harry Kane dive and under the assumption I was going to probably see something recent and there was headlines videos from as far back as like 2014-15 yep. and I, you don't really associate with it but then obviously look let's rewind take a step back to the World Cup um, we're both England fans so obviously we were at the time very happy probably slightly biased um, Kane won a load of penalties and he won them in a way where he would force the opposition to foul him so he would kind of wrap yeah. himself around the defender in the box as a corner was getting swung in and make it so that the defender unless he chops his arms off he's going to he's going to touch him um, and I think against Brighton and I think he might have done it against was it Burnley this season he takes a look over his shoulder at the defender as the ball's in the air and he knows the defender's going to jump for it or in this case, you know, the opposition because Lana's our defender. Um, and and when, as soon as they jump, he just bends his back over as if he's he's been like, you know, forced over. And and all that does is make the the, the, the person who's jumped for the ball literally just fly over the guy because there's nothing to lean on when you're in the air. And and then the, the ref gives a, a foul for it or and a pen or a free kick or depending on where it is. I think it's, it is conniving. Um, it is... I don't know, in, in inverted commas, clever in a way that he's given his team a, 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 a big advantage from it. But at the same time, I think, you know, as a professional sport, it's not something that, you you know, if if we want to talk about conniving and clever, then why don't someone just stick the ball under their top and run down the length of the line? Because it gives you an unfair advantage. So, so I think... I guess it's, te- it's te- technically not handball. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if Lady could have just like wedged it in his afro and, you know, just yeah. ran. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, it is clever and it gives your team the advantage but at the same time there needs to be a limit of fairness in there and if the alternative is the player can't challenge Kane in the air then that's just idiotic because then you're just you might as well just give Kane the ball and say go for it have a shot at goal or have a head. <laughs> um, 
so I think something needs to be done at, uh, yeah. at the officiating level where, where it's tough I guess because it's, it's similar to the handball thing where we're you know the, it got to the point where you could argue the players could just you know kick the ball at um at someone's hand yeah. and it'd be a penalty the first few so weeks in the Premier League they could have genuinely done that and got a penalty yeah so it's one it's one of those releases I don't know what I don't know what the solution is but so yeah, something needs something needs to be done. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, so kind of yeah. upcoming interesting fixtures um, this weekend. Uh, United Everton, you touched upon City versus Liverpool, which I think will be another good game. Um, Liverpool are really struggling, I think, without Van Dijk and City are, you know, all guns blazing uh, most of the time in terms of attacking. So we well, say Liverpool are struggling, but they they are top of the league still. <laughs> they, they are top of the league, but I don't. Think they, I think the last time they kept a clean sheet was against Chelsea. And when you consider yeah. the caliber, oh yeah, even with yeah, even with Van Dijk, the defense has been struggling. Right, they conceded fifteen this season, which I think is the most. Oh, sorry, West Brom now have now taken the crown for the most because they conceded two against Fulham tonight. Um, <laughs> but Liverpool are second in terms of goals conceded, which is pretty crazy. It's, it's um, crazy when you because when you consider, you know, um, I don't like to talk about well. I don't like stressing on the, how much a player has been paid for, but if you consider they've got Allison and Van Dijk, who they spent on quite a bit of chunk of money on um and and you know you'd think that those two are arguably best in class in their positions in the league i don't know i, I mean i heard liverpool have spent no money ever and which makes them the best champions in in the history of everything because their net spend is like minus a billion pounds or something and i heard they're allowed to do that because they sold coutinho to barcelona um yeah <laughs> um, it should be a yeah. game I, I don't know if this will be the game where you know liverpool will possibly be exposed at the back there's a new guy on the block maybe i think he said what was it was it something phillips then the guy phillips nathan phillips yeah, he looked okay i watched the game he seemed all right i don't think he's the right man to play with gomez i think gomez learned he relied a lot on van dyke's presence um, to 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 have such a good season, he might he might not be the right guy, but I think at the moment they d- they don't really have much choice. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they don't because um, Fabinho Fabinho's injured as well. They sold Lovren. Um, yeah, Fabinho, Van Dijk, Matic, Matip, sorry, all injured, and Lovren obviously gone. Yeah, that's it. Really. Lovren scoring thirty yard bangers for Zenit. I don't know if you caught that recently. He scored a goal from outside the box, um, crashed it in from outside the box, hits the post. Hits the goalkeeper's head and goes in. Uh, lovely goal, Lovren. Um, and then Villa versus Arsenal as well. Um, and uh, in my little pre-match notes, I've put this in brackets, box office. Um, sorry, Villa fans. I think you're probably down possibly almost 50. Was that pay-per-view again? It's pay-per-view again for Villa. Oh I, I, really feel bad for, I really feel bad for Villa fans. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, like, that's like a three in a row. Yeah. You got, you got. I mean, just we're, we're coming to the end of the episode, I guess, but we'll briefly touch on that. I think now that there's going to be another lockdown and furloughs being brought back and stuff, surely they've got to make the games free again. There's been a lot of talk that apparently Sky Sports and BT Sports themselves are not happy. I'm assuming something to do with... Yeah, because people people think that... Well, obviously everyone knows the Premier League are money grabbers and probably BT and Sky are as well. But um, it looks bad on them as well, yeah. Yeah. You've been giving it away for free for so long. To start charging for it, it's, it's not a good look. They receive the brunt of it. And if I'm being honest, look, I became a subscriber to uh, both Sky Sports and BT Sport yeah. over lockdown period. I never had been before that. And I'm really impressed with it enough to want to keep it. Um, so I think they should continue going with the free stuff. And, you know, long term, they'll probably uh, come off looking better for it. And also, you know, giving the nation something that, to enjoy watching whilst they're stuck in the house. Um, yeah. And I mean, especially for, for me as well, like uh, with Sky, you pay so much money for Sky. Um, and then they ad- they used to advertise stuff like Friday night football and whatnot as being a big thing, you know, more football, blah blah blah. But now they're pay- charging fifteen pound extra for that. 
crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. But yeah, um, I guess we'll call it a day there then. We've covered a lot. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next week, hopefully with some positive results. Because um, United have become basically midweek FC. They always win in midweek and yeah, give up on the weekend. <laughs> but hopefully we'll be a bit more positive and hopefully we'll have more to talk about than just United as well. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed um, there's something interesting in the league. I've got my eye on the Liverpool City game. Don't let me down. Manchester City. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, and we will see you next week. Cheers, everyone.